Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Today in sports betting, I am your host, Devin Ellington, at D-A-L-E-007 on Twitter. This is Today in Sports Betting, a hoop ball gaming presentation from hoop-ball.com. Hello, it's Friday. Welcome in and welcome back. There's a little bit of a jubilant, more excited hoop ballers in the beginning there. It's Friday, and we got four college football games. We got the World Series Game 3. We have a full slate of college games with multiple conferences starting back. The NFL. Boy, we got some stuff to unpack. But before I crack the seal on that, we have to talk about the show's presenting sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped Manscaped.com. Go over there, use Promo code HOOPBALL20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. You'll get 20% off of your order on the Lawnmower 3.0, which just came out. Fully electric, full-on water proof technology. You can use it in the shower. You can use it on the go. I'm not going to judge you for how you do your hair work. Hoopball20 is the promo code. You get free shipping and 20% off. They have other great things on their website, such as care kits, oils and tinctures and waxes, you know, for those curly mustache fellers. Um, They also have lotions for your beard. You know, it's all sorts of great stuff. Great travel kit, underwear, everything. Manscaped.com. Hoopball20 is the promo code. Hoopballers. I'm excited for today. I am. I'm a little, little razzle dazzled, little exuberant. It is a solo show, unfortunately, though. I don't have my main man Ira with me today, but remember, he is at Ira Silver Magic on Twitter. He's he, he's given out lots of winners lately. I, we're we're both actually kind of on a pretty good roll. Went two and one last night. I went ahead and gambled on the Giants money line at plus 200. I went ahead and took the points. And then I uh, obviously had Appalachian State to cover. If you read the article, my midweek check-in over on hoop-ball.com, or if you looked at me on Twitter at D-A-L-E-007. Yeah, so Appalachian State took care of business pretty handily. 
I'm telling you that defense, that pass defense specifically, you know, that was the biggest key for me in the article. And they stifled that two headed uh, quarterback attack of um, Arkansas state. And then let's talk about Danny Dimes who fell that that was funny. That was, that was really funny except for people like me holding a Giants money line ticket. But, you know, he, he played really well. <clears throat> Excuse me. In, other than holding the ball for way too long and his zero awareness in the pocket and his pocket presence at the end of the game. But, you know, he dropped that game-winning touchdown right there into Evan Ingram's hands. Evan Ingram just didn't do anything with it. Of course, he had that 80-yard run. He led two 85-plus-yard drives back-to-back before the Giants imploded with all those penalties. And the first penalty that started this ruckus and the unraveling was the one where it was a defensive holding, but two Giants got to Carson Wentz, bottled him up, sacked him for a loss of like 12 yards. It would have been a third and 17, but instead the Eagles get a first down. And then immediately after that, a deep pass interference, or they, they get a deep 50-yard completion to I believe it was Greg Ward on the right side of the field. And then they get a pass interference and that puts them pretty much on the goal line. And that was that. And then, you know, there was a holding on the Giants offensive line on their following possession. I think they might've picked a first down up, but they probably went three and out. And then that's just, it, you know, that was it. That, that was it. Uh, after that 59 yard completion, I kind of had the feeling that my bet was dead. It just, but man, it looked good at 21-10. And if it wasn't for inexperience and uh, lack of discipline, I think I'd be uh, a little bit happier than I am today. But nonetheless, I went two and one, not one and two. That is huge. That is very huge. Um, still a winning day. Still a winning day, night, whatever it was. Like I mentioned, we have lots of college football to talk about, but I am going to put that towards the meat and towards the end of the show. I think what's most important right now is the World Series game three. And Tampa Bay evened it up in the second game. We got a matchup. We have a matchup today. We got Walker Bueller. And his season-long 1.11 whip taking on Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton is getting a start tonight in this game in a pivotal, huge game. Game three is probably the most important game in the World Series, in my opinion. I was watching around the horn, and Tim Kalashaw got a little slack from Tony Reale and busted down on the points for saying that game two was a throwaway. And it always has been a throwaway in the World Series, which I don't understand that. I think you're in the World Series and every game is important. I love Tim Kalashaw, but it's it's the World Series, guys. Like, And we have David and Goliath, essentially, even though the Tampa Bay Rays were the number one seed coming out of the AL. You know, they, they – or I'm sorry, the – yeah, the AL. And, uh, you know, it's like – 
they're getting disrespected just because the Dodgers are the Dodgers. And it's a lot of namesake in my opinion. Sure. They lead the majors or led the majors throughout, you know, this whole season with the most runs scored, but look at their bullpen that, that this is the biggest difference between these two teams who has a more complete bullpen, whose pitching staff would you rather have? I mean, sure. You get Walker Bueller tonight and one more game in the series. You get another start from Kershaw. Historically, we haven't seen Kershaw do really well in the postseason, the World Series specifically. He got a good start in game one. Who's to know if he's going to completely regress or not in his next start? Chances are, historically speaking, he's going to regress. Tampa Bay needs to win this game tonight. They need about five innings out of Charlie Morton, is my opinion. Morton's been here. You know, for those who don't remember, he won a World Series with the Astros. He pitched a lot in the postseason. He's been in huge spots for them in elimination games. I like Charlie Morton. So maybe I just need to go ahead and back the Tampa Bay Rays tonight without any good statistical measure or any kind of sense. That would be smart, right? No, I'm just kidding. But here's the thing. As of right now at 11.53 Central Standard Time, I don't see a ton of information as far as starting lineups. You know, it's the World Series. They're going to hold that close to the vest. But the Dodgers are minus 152 on the money line, Tampa Bay plus 135, over under 7.5, shaded to the under. And we got Bill Miller officiating his home. Well, which it's not really a home game. So I won't talk about that. There's no home advantage for either team, but his under record is six and nine. So nine overs, six unders. Seven and a half is pretty small. Right now I'm seeing even money on over seven and a half. And I like that. I think the over is in play for every game in this series because I think you have on one side the team in the Dodgers that led the majors in runs scored. On the other side, you have a confident hitting team in the Rays that are playing money ball, small ball, defensive ball, getting it done. And then you've got a shoddy, Swiss cheese from time to time, Los Angeles Dodgers bullpen. All they have to do is get one, maybe two runs out of Walker Bueller and rough him up early, which hasn't happened hardly at all this year. So, you know, I'm asking for a lot. But with these aces, with aces, you have to get to them early. We, we saw it with Zach Greinke in the postseason. Every time he went out there, he was getting roughed up. I think he had one start where he didn't Garrett Cole, you know, it just, that's how you get to an ACE. If you're a basic baseball fan, a casual fan or a casual better of baseball, you understand that principle. The longer an ACE gets in there and set up and established and grounded, good luck moving them. I'm also looking at Tampa Bay's team total of over three right now. It's at minus one twenty. I I know, I know about Walker Buehler, sure. 
But three, if, I, if I'm thinking that the over is going to hit in just about every game of this series, which is 2-0 and right now, then I believe that the Rays can score three runs or more. <clears throat> I could see a total of eight or nine runs being scored tonight. I'm not sure which angle I want to take as far as a first five. Right now, the over, excuse me, the over under for the first five is three and a half. I don't have a true opinion on that. I really don't. If anything, Tampa Bay plus 115 on the first half, first five money line looks pretty good. I like Tampa Bay in general in this game. Like I've talked about on the podcast, I have that futures ticket six to one on Tampa Bay. I went ahead and juiced it up a little bit more with their plus 180 series price when it came out. But then I also have a small amount of hedging on the other side. I have Los Angeles to win the World Series 4-3 exact finish at plus 260, I think it was. And then I also have a three to one uh, futures ticket World Series champion uh ticket in the Los Angeles Dodgers. So guys, I I got two futures tickets alive. And that is coming off of the NBA conference finals predicting those um series finishes and then I got that NBA championship series finish on the exact result. So I think I'm starting to figure out a different way and another comfort spot for me to bet on these world series. That's not an official play on me with the Tampa Bay Rays tonight. But what is going to be official is probably going to be that over three for the Rays team total. I like the over seven and a half at even money. And I am leaning, leaning, kind of like a double fist. Uh, One of them is three quarters of the way gone and the other one you just cracked and took a sip out of the first one, you know, double fist, truly lean. So not that large, not that small. It's just kind of, it's right there. It's right there. I mean, I don't know how many of y'all walk around double fist and truly's, but don't knock it till you try it. I think we're just in store for a wonderful game tonight, guys, honestly, and gals. Disclusion is not what we do here. uh, It's it's the World Series, y'all. I mean, that's sure you want some betting angles and you want this information and that information, but you know, lineups aren't set right now. But like I said, I've got that two hand truly double fist and lean. One Tampa Bay at plus money again. They're just going to stay at plus money all series. And we talk about finding the value. Now, I, I we've seen it shade and shaved come off of the um, off the Dodgers side. They're not a minus 175 favorite. They're not a minus 180 favorite. They're now a minus 150. So we're starting to get a little bit of value on the Dodgers. And I think the market is starting to see, wow. Tampa Bay, even though they're not a team in Los Angeles and they're not a big market team, can actually play baseball. 
Holy cow. Imagine that. The team that was the best team in the AL all year made it to the World Series. They can play baseball. I don't understand these bookmakers sometimes. That minus t- that $2 favorite series price for the Dodgers and at the opening bell in this World Series, that, that was really insulting to the Rays with how they've performed, with how solid they are from top to bottom in every uh, facet of their game. Pitching, hitting. Kevin Cash is a phenomenal manager, and he's got smart guys around him. They're third base coach, they're first base coach. They've been in the league for a long time. Long, long, long time. Do some research on their first base coach. I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but I was watching the broadcast the other night. Joe Buck, John Smoltz, they were kind of talking about him, giving some background information on him. Apparently, he's like one of the more sought-after first base coaches in the MLB. I mean, he's been around for a long time, and he knows his stuff. So I think it's silly, but you have to look at stuff like that. I mean, it's a full team, coaches and all. Just like I like officiating stats for betting. I'm a weirdo. That's what I do. You know this. So to wrap up the baseball side of things, again, official play is going to be team total over three for Tampa Bay. I like the over seven and a half at even money. The even money is what's sealing the deal for me there. So if it shifts away from the even money or you don't get the even money, less value on it for me, which means less conviction, which is y'all know when we talk about on this show, conviction and value. C-N-E. I'm sorry, CNV. I can't spell with acronyms today. It's Friday. Don't judge me, guys. Just all amped up about all these sports and stuff. So, we have four college football games tonight on the slate. We have one conference making their season debut we have a battle a battle between the rage and cajuns and the blazers that's right sun belt sun belt fun belt sun belt versus the conference usa i couldn't get even more excited about anything if i tried on friday night I'm going to be the guy at the bar that goes to ask to have the ULL UAB game turned on one TV and uh, figure out what to do with the other TVs and finding a spot for the World Series. <laughs> I, I love these two teams. I love them. And I'm going to have a good breakdown for you guys on this game. Then we have FCS Jacksonville State, whom of which covered against Florida State earlier in the year. Sure, it was 24 and a half, but, you know, we jumped on it. I took it and we won. They're taking on Florida International. Um, So Florida International, their last game was postponed due to COVID. They were supposed to play Charlotte. They were going to get blown out. I had a game right up for that, ready to send, ready to talk about, ready to put in an article, and kapooey. It didn't happen. But that is 2020. And 
it doesn't matter what football we're getting, guys. It doesn't matter if this is a trash game or that's a trash game. We are getting football. We are getting the World Series. We just watched an NBA champion be crowned four months ago, five months ago, when we were all itching at our uh, metaphorical scabs and, you know, just picking and, you know, just going through withdrawals because there were no sports. We would have begged to have Jacksonville State, an FCS football team, take on Florida International one of the lowly FBS teams. And we all would have loved to watch it. And we would have been so glued to the TV. So we need to operate with that same amount of enthusiasm because it all could get taken away again at a whim's notice. It could. And that stinks, but that, you know, this is 2020. My dad calls me, you know, a Debbie Downer and I'm a negative person all the time, but I counter, I say, pops, I'm realistic. It's realism. I take it all into account. Sometimes it's just a little more negative than the others. (laughs) But before I break down all of these Friday night matchups and get into another game or two for Saturday and then a game on Sunday, We need to talk about mybookie.ag. Well, I need to talk about them. You need to listen. Mybookie.ag. Use promo code HOOPBALL to get on over there. Get a fat deposit bonus. You're going to get 100% match on your initial deposit. You're going to get great customer service. You're going to get good odds. You're going to get diversity and all sorts of things that you can bet on. They have esports. They got bets on the political stuff. They've got bets on horses. You can play blackjack. You can play with a live dealer. You can play poker, slot machines. You name it, you can bet on it. Again, mybookie.ag, a wonderful, wonderful sponsor for us. Pretty much been with us from the get-go. They've helped us grow, and hopefully in return, we've sent some, I know in return we have, but Hopefully we've reciprocated in the appropriate amount for what they've done for us. We're appreciative of them and I'm happy to have them as our sponsor. Hoopball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L is the promo code. Mybookie.ag is the place you need to go use that. Bet, win, get paid. Mybookie.ag. So, Let's start with this Jacksonville State, Florida International game first. Like I said, Jacksonville State is a um, FCS team. Florida International, not that good of a team. They allow a ton, a ton of points. They also allow a ton of yards. And what I was looking at in their last game was health. You know, they were fully healthy going into their last game. That's important in these days. But like I said, the Panthers of Florida International give up a ton of yards. And if Jacksonville State can have passing success, and have a really decent yards per pass, yards per completion stat. I think that's going to bode really, really well for them. 
Florida International's pass defense is not not solid. Um, one of my points in Charlotte dem- demolishing Florida International was the fact that they are super strong in the sense of uh, ball control. I don't, you know, I may talk a lot about a, ran- a bunch of random teams and random football. Um, I don't know that much about Jacksonville State. I know they, they, they are competitive within the FCS ranks. They'll probably be in the playoff for that. They have an experienced quarterback. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where they're two and one. That one loss was Florida State, and they were winning 21-0 that game. They went up by 21 points against Florida State. I talked about Jacksonville State's quarterback, but the Panthers are also trying to break in a new quarterback, and they saw key departures at other positions. Um, and they've also been hit twice by coronavirus issues. It's postponed three games. So they, it's all wonky. They don't have any rhythm. And this, this is a makeup game from week one. So this was supposed to be a week one cupcake, quote unquote, game for FIU. We got a 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff. Florida International is 10 and a half point favorite. And the over under set at 59. I think the over is in play here at first glance. Now we're going to dig into this a little bit, a little bit more, but one thing I want to point out is Jacksonville state has a pretty good tight end. And like I said, Florida international gives up some passing yards. They're susceptible in pass defense. Trey Barry, he's fifth in the FCS, and, and he's averaging 80 receiving yards per game as a tight end. And then you've got, on the other hand, running back Devonta Price, on 26 carries, he's got uh, 260 yards for the Panthers. So I think it's going to be dependent on who bottles – Whose strengths up better? Which you could, okay, John Madden. The more, the, the team that scores more points wins the football game. That was a terrible impersonation, but you get what I'm saying. Um, Florida International, they're seven and two after a week off since Butch Davis took over in 2017. And the Panthers' running game looks to be stepping up while this quarterback is still settling in. But like I said, this is not a normal week. This is not a normal week off. This is a COVID week off. I want to talk a little bit more about Jacksonville State because I think they have a good shot at covering here. They covered the only game that had a line this season for them and covered the spread against Florida State, which we already learned about. They have a senior quarterback I already talked about, Zarek Cooper. 
Trey Berry had five for 104 against Florida State, or I'm sorry, in, in the win last week against North Alabama. And right now I'm seeing a bet percentage of 49% to 51%. Jacksonville State getting a lot of love. Now it was North Alabama, but it was a, an opponent that they should have handled and they did. But the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State, they held their opponent in North Alabama, North Alabama to 276 total yards. They won 24-17 on the road. And this unit is allowing 364.7 yards per game while FIU offense averages 316, 68th in the FBS. And here's a kit. This is the big one. This is the talking point for the Charlotte game whenever before it got canceled. The Panthers allow more than 465 yards per game. So look for that to be a factor here if Jacksonville State can average 75 to 100 more yards or gain 75 to 100 more yards than their opponent in FIU tonight look for them to be able to get in within five points and they also have guys littered throughout the defense that have some experience that are making plays like linebacker Zach Woodard and uh, DN DJ Coleman they have a good safety in Nick Harper, coupled with Darius Joyner. They had eight tackles against Florida State each, and they can make plays all over the field. That's just how they are. So with that being said, without being so long-winded on an FCS game, <laughs> which is funny, but, you know, I got to give a lean to Jacksonville State, plus 10. Not an official play here, guys. I like the over 57 and a half. And FIU has a lot of guys injured. A lot of guys injured. Lots of depth gone. Jacksonville State only has two guys on the injury report, and that's two guys that have been out since the early September time frame. So, with that being said, Watch out for an international. Don't lose this game. It's an FCS opponent. So let's move on to the next one. Next one's going to be probably my favorite matchup of tonight. It's hopefully going to be the easiest one of the night. You never know. But you got Tulsa going on the road against South Florida. South Florida, one of the worst college football teams out there right now. They're getting 10 and a half points at home. It's all the way up to 11. They opened at 10. I took 10 and a half. Over-unders 50 and a half. It opened at 52 and a half. It's come down probably because people did some digging and realized that Tulsa has a really good defense. They held Oklahoma State in week one to 16 points. They were ranked 11. They beat Central Florida. I think they allowed 24 points. They were ranked 11. 
26 points. I was off. Sorry. They gave up 26 points to that potent Central Florida Gabriel uh, led Golden Knights team. Then they were supposed to play Cincinnati and that got postponed. Cincinnati was ranked ninth at the time. That was going to be a defensive slugger fest. Yeah, the over-under on that Oklahoma State-Tulsa game was 72. Or, I'm sorry, 66 and a half. I was thinking of another game. There was 23 points scored. Now, sure, their offense struggles. They do. They do. But that's going to come into a positive, regressive light here soon, in my opinion. They have a senior quarterback in Zach Smith. There's lots of wind tonight. So I, I like the under, I like the under, but the side that I like better is Tulsa. This USF team is just, they're rank. They're just, they're rank. They're not ranked. They're just rank. It's bad. They have a minus 23.8 average score margin. Tulsa has a minus half point score margin, and they faced Oklahoma State ranked 11. They faced UCF ranked 11, and they uh, had the game against Cincinnati postponed. So they lost 16-7 to Oklahoma State but then they beat UCF. They're averaging about 20.5 points per game right now. USF's only getting, they're only scoring 17, but they're allowing their opponents to score 40, 40.8 points. This Bulls team is. I talked about the defense for Tulsa. They have one of the best defense in the group of five. Sure, they had a game postponed due to COVID, so it's a you know smaller sample size, whatever you want to say. But they are third in Havoc ratings. And if you don't know the Havoc rating, it, it's, a, it's pretty much a stat that uh, Bet Labs and Action Network kind of came up with um, in order to track you know what kind of pressure tackles for losses, um, passes defensed and broken up, um, hurries, pressures, all that, they, they, that creating havoc. It's essentially what it is. They're third in the country in havoc. Run stop percentage, they're high in the uh, country on. They held Chuba Hubbard of Oklahoma State, uh, preseason Heisman candidate, to 2.8 yards per carry. I don't see USF getting any kind of success going in this game. Even if Tulsa's offense struggles, USF has to go out there and try to move the ball against this Tulsa defense.
USF has an opponent rush play percentage of 60.61%. Teams love to run the ball on them. Tulsa's pretty competent in running the ball. They're also better in the red zone scoring percentage department. Tulsa runs the ball 55.56% of the time. Sorry, I had to slow that down. They're about five, they're at 5.3 yards per play. I look for that to continue. They might average about six yards per play tonight against this USF team. Um, Tulsa holds their opponents to a 39.39% third down conversion percentage. USF's defense is allowing teams to convert on third down 54.69% of the time. And Tulsa struggles with their down conversion percentage. They're only at 23%. That's, that's pretty bad. But look at them to get over the 40% mark tonight with USF allowing so much success on third down. So to wrap this game up, I think it's pretty easy to, you know, say or see where I'm going. I like the Golden Hurricanes here. They have that defense. They're holding um, opponents to not a lot of points. They have room to grow on offense. They have a senior quarterback who's going to get it together eventually. So if East Carolina, another pretty bad team in college football, can hang 40 and win by like 20 against this USF team, a team with an elite defense like Tulsa should be able to take care of that 10 and a half point spread. So here we go. Official play for me, Tulsa Golden Hurricanes minus 10 and a half on the road. They get it done by 13 at least. Let's move on to another one. As Mr. Khaled of the DJ proportions would say. Let's talk about Illinois, Wisconsin. We got the return of the Big Ten. I'm not that excited about it. I just had to, you know, get the infliction of the voice going a little. Lock your interest back in and then tease you and shoot it down. That's what I do. But serious here, guys, I mean, there is no data. We have zero data on these teams. Zero. And I'm not going to front and say I got all sorts of information on either one of these teams. I, you know, I don't, I don't follow the Big Ten. I follow the Sun Belt more than I do the Big Ten. <laughs> Take with that what you will. Um, but like I've expressed in the past, I am a Big 12 guy. I grew up in this territory. Big 10, sure, let's make it easy for our heavily favorites and our juggernauts to march all the way to a college football playoff. That's the approach they're taking this year. Look at Ohio State's uh, schedule. Look at Michigan's schedule, which Michigan's is actually pretty rough. They go against Minnesota this week. 
But I mean, it's Ohio State could have just played a game or, you know, a season of cupcakes and it wouldn't have been any different from what they got in the Big Ten right now. But with that being said, this isn't about the Big Ten and how much I'm not really a fan of it. Don't get me wrong. There's good football. Great, great, great talent. Great coaching, great talent, great players that come out of there. Obviously, tons in the NFL. But they never stop tooting their own horn. They they just don't. Them in the SEC, they don't. They just never stop. Never stop. No matter if it's a down year, if they lose almost every bowl game, if they send two teams to three teams to the NCAA tournament, if they fail to send a team to the super regional, they, they their horn is never done tooting and they're the ones blowing into it. So I'm going to be real brief with this game. Just kind of give you the line and the overview. Um, Wisconsin right now it's uh, it updated a little bit ago. So let me make sure I got the most accurate line here for you guys. Um. 20 and a half. It was 18. This morning when I looked at it, it was 19 and a half, and I thought about it, but I didn't. Wisconsin lost to Illinois last year, if you remember right, and they were a 20-point 20 uh, point favorite. I saw a tweet this morning. I can't remember who, and I uh, – actually, it was Ralph Michaels at Wager Talk. At Wager Talk. The team that faces the same team that they lost to the previous year after being a 20-point favorite, and then they are a 19 or is it 18 to 20-point favorite the next year. That team only covers at about 43%. So with that being said, Illinois played in a bowl game in December for the first time in a long time last year. They had some late success. 20 and a half is a lot. And this is a weird year. You know, both teams are figuring out some positional stuff out. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor's playing running back for the Indianapolis Colts. So they have a freshman running back in there. Or I'm sorry, freshman quarterback in there the guy who backed up uh, Cohn last year. On the flip side, I believe Illinois is returning their quarterback, but they lost some other guys to graduate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply and such around him. I went a little longer on this one than I thought I would just because I didn't really have a huge strong opinion on it. But long story short, I'm not playing it. If you choose to, then I'll give you a small, small lean. Half unit, half unit, maybe even quarter unit size. Illinois, I mean, 20 and a half is a lot of points. And like I said, teams in this situation... Wisconsin being the team, cover at a 43% clip. 
after losing to a team last year while being, or the year prior while being a 20 point favorite, uh, 18 to 20 point favorite, coming back the next year, playing the same team, being favored by that large amount again. Just saying, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at with that one. Now, the finale of the football Friday night games, University of Louisiana, Lafayette, taking on the University of Alabama, Birmingham, the Cajuns and the Blazers. This is going to be the best game of the night. It's going to be close. It's going to be contested. It's going to be good. Got the Sun Belt representative and ULL taking on the Conference USA representative of UAB. Y'all know how much I love these two teams. I've talked about them pretty extensively. I've talked about them in depth. I've written articles about them. Speaking of which, this game, as well as that Appalachian State game last night, was on my article on hoop-ball.com that I wrote, the midweek check-in. That article started off 1-0 last night with Appalachian State. Woot-woot, let's keep it going, please. So for the first time in a long time, specifically 2018, the Raging Cajuns are on the hot seat to lose two games in a row. Now the Blazers have a surprise and delight in the quarterback play that they're getting out of Bryson Lucero. He's making his fourth straight start after the injury, the shoulder injury to Tyler Johnson III. But the key matchup for me in this game is going to be Spencer Brown, that fourth best rusher in the country behind this UAB offensive line. These guys are hog mollies. They maul everyone they get their hands on. ULL gets the ball ran on them a lot. They do. And it's pretty ugly. That's what Coastal Carolina was able to do when they beat them last week. They allow a good amount of rushing yards. And it's big gaps. To, it's like big gashing plays. I mean, these teams are even at points per game. UAB 28 and a half, ULL 28. Average score margin plus 4.8 for the Raging Cajuns, plus 11 and a half for UAB. Opponent points per game, ULL 23.2, UAB 17. And right now, the Blazers, they, they get two takeaways per game. ULL gets one and a half. So, again, close. Very, very close right there. UAB, though, this is where it could hurt them. If it does, if, if they don't clean up and stay disciplined, UAB has 87.8 penalty yards per game. That's almost a full football field. You, you can't give that to a team like ULL. Not with Levi Lewis in their quarterbacking. Whom of which, he's thrown a lot of interceptions this year compared to last year. 
but he's still talented. He's still talented. UAB averages about six more minutes, time of possession, four more plays per game. Um, both teams like to run the ball, which I don't blame you when you have a back like Elijah Mitchell in the backfield for ULL and then Spencer Brown for UAB. couple other metrics that I'm looking at. Third down conversion percentage is always huge for me because that's what keeps drives going, obviously. UAB has the benefit on that. They're at 42.86%. ULL allows 4.2 yards per rush. So look for that to be a factor in this game as well. Opponent third down conversion percentage. Check this out. This is probably the biggest stat for me. ULL allows their opponents to convert on 49.23% of their third downs. UAB allows 24.07% conversion percentage on third downs. Not to mention, they still have that fourth best in the country, 10.16% sack percentage. UAB does. So keep that in mind. Both of these teams allow their opponents to score when they do get in the red zone, both over 90%. But... As far as an offense goes, red zone scoring percentage, it goes to the advantage of UAB at 93.75% versus 75% for ULL. UAB carries the ball for five yards of carry. Five yards of carry. Like I mentioned, ULL. 4.2 yards per carry. Still high, but not as high as that five. I think it stays at the five for UAB in this advantageous spot. Talked about how that defense norm normally performs very, very well in the third down department. Holding their opponents to less than 25%, the Blazers are. And one of the last things I want to say about this game is we are going to have a quarterback matchup that's going to be fun. Fun. Levi Lewis, Bryson Lucero, two kids just slinging it. Look for them to set the run game up with the passing game, even though they don't pass the ball as much as they do running it. This is going to be a fun game, y'all. This is going to be a fun game. And it's it's gotten to be a little fishy. It's gotten to be quite fishy, to be honest. ULL are now favored by three and a half. When I locked my bet in, I locked in UAB minus one and a half. I'm sorry, it's gone back down to two and a half for ULL. 
I went ahead and snagged the UAB money line. Also, at plus 115, I like that a whole lot more than getting it with some juice, obviously. I want to look at some first half numbers because, you know, in first quarter, UAB has some really, really good success in the first quarter. They have won me quite a few first quarter, first half bets. Right now they have they're nine nine point five nine and a half points per first quarter. And now let's uh I'm gonna, I'm gonna scroll down a little bit here and see where ULL is as far as first quarter points. I'm still scrolling. 1. 1.8. 1.8. 1.8. I'm seeing plus 120 on the money line for UAB in the first quarter. Team total over six and a half in the first quarter. So they got to score one touchdown. I like that. Especially at plus 120. I like that a lot. So that's my first quarter bet. And we're going through this together right now, like live. I knew generally that UAB was a very good first quarter team. I just didn't know where ULL sat. And I didn't really know what these numbers were. So now that I'm looking at them and I have UAB over their team total of six and a half in the first quarter at plus 120, I like that. I like that. I mean, they can break off a 50-yard run with the first few plays of the game with Spencer Brown, in my opinion. But you can't just go off of offensive metrics. Let's also go ahead and take a look and see how they perform defensively by quarter and see how many points they allow. Just for comparison's sake, North Texas, they're the worst team in college football in first quarter points allowed, and that's at 16 and a half. Now points allowed, I think is gonna be a little bit different story with these two teams. They're pretty dang close. Very close. UL Lafayette's only allowing three and a half points in the first quarter on average. UAB is a couple spots worse than they are at 4.2. So, with that being said, it's kind of right there in the middle. You see, you saw, or you heard me talk about ULL's defense in the first quarter, three and a half points allowed on the season on average per game. And then you've got UAB who scores a bunch of points in the first quarter. 
usually at least twice a game. Now, first half, let's look at some first half points per game. UAB is 20th, sandwiched in between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State at 18.2 points per first half this season. ULL, 9.2 points for, per first half. Pretty big discrepancy there. Let's switch it over to the defensive side. Let's see what they look like as far as first half defensive teams. All right. First half defensively. Lafayette, UL Lafayette. 12 points allowed per first half. Just middle of the pack. Pretty middle of the pack. And then UAB. Six spots better than them at 11 points allowed in the first half per average on the year. So based off of just their defensive numbers alone and what they allow, quote unquote, 23 points in the first half. Right now the over-under is 24 and a half in the first half. Guess what, guys and gals? I just cracked open my third truly. To have a third, three truly, triumvirate lean on a first half parlay. Give me UAB in the first half, plus 105. And then give me the under 24 and a half. And then I like that first quarter bet for the Blazers team total to go over six and a half. Like I said, I locked in my line at UAB minus one and a half. I think they're the more rounded team. They have a better defense, way better defense. And Levi Lewis is turning the ball over a ton right now. I just hope UAB can stay disciplined. This is going to be a big game for them if they get this win. You know, this is only their second season back after rebirthing their football program. If you remember right, a couple years ago, um, UAB decided that they were cutting the football program out of their athletics. And they have come back thriving. They had a good year last year. And they're building on top of that this year. Spencer Brown is key. Myron Mitchell, Austin Watkins, those kids on the outside catching the ball from Bryson Lucero. I like UAB tonight so, so much, and I probably shouldn't put all my chickens in the egg basket. Wait. Yeah, 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 that's the saying. I shouldn't put my chickens in the egg basket altogether, but it's really hard to right now with how I've been dissecting and – Following this UAB team, I thought that when Tyler Johnston went down, they were going to be in trouble. But then their defense started doing what they did and what are, are doing. And this is where we're at, guys. UAB, ULL, 
best football game of the night on the Friday night slate. You've got to get excited and juiced up for it. Woo. I am. I definitely am. Holy moly. Like I said, I'm going to be the guy watching the Raging Cajuns and the Blazers in the bar tonight. You know where to find me. You know where I'll be. UAB has a chance to cook them up some blazing Cajun tonight. Sorry, I had to. All right, so here we go. Rundown. Heavy on this game. Official plays. First quarter, UAB over six and a half team total. First half parlay with the UAB Blazers winning the first half, coupled with the under 24 and a half on the first half total. Full game, UAB minus one and a half. If you want to go grab that plus two and a half, go for it. UAB plus 115 on the money line. Let's go, Blazers. Let's go, Blazers. Let's get it popping down in Alabama and Birmingham. Told you guys, I'm just way too excited for this game. It's a little funny, in my opinion. Hopefully, you guys and gals like it also. It, it's fun. It's fun to have someone amped up about a weird random game like this. So let's go ahead and pick a random game. I'm thinking ACC to talk about for this weekend. I'm going to look down on my screen and see what game I come across. Ooh, Georgia Tech taking on Boston College. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. The quarterback for Georgia Tech is absolutely ridiculous. The kid is solid. So solid. He's a freshman. Mr. Sims. Not Chris. Not his dad, Phil. He's not related to them whatsoever. This is Mr. Jeff Sims. Quarterback and down in Georgia Tech. The kid is so dynamic. He's exciting. He's smart. Not to mention, he has Malachi Carter to throw the ball to. Six foot five frame, long arms, big torso, heady receiver, possession, but also downfield threat, catch radius like none other. Georgia Tech's going on the road. They're getting three and a half points. It opened at four, over under 54 and a half. It's come down a point from the 55 and a half, shaded to the under. Boston College has not been playing too, too well recently. And with some defensive metrics to kind of look at, I think it's important to point out that we're not going to see a very, very clean game. This is going to be a 
probably nail biting, stressful, just who doesn't mess up as much game. Let's check the injury report out on this just to make sure we don't have any new big stuff. And guys, what you need to do, literally go to Twitter and Google beat writers. Or I go to Twitter and Google. Jesus. I'm my 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 age is showing. Go to your go to your my my book in your face space. No, I'm kidding. Go to Twitter, just search beat writers and go through and give a lot of those guys a good scrub, look at them, see what they cover, see if it's for you, and then follow them. Beat writers are going to be where you get your best information. Now it's going to be a little less intrusive as it was last year because of COVID and the restrictions and the media shutouts and a lot of that, a lot of. But what we have here is Boston College and Georgia Tech both needing an ACC win. Georgia Tech just got slapped by Clemson. I think Clemson scored 70. That's not a good look. Really, it's not. But it's Clemson. They're going to win the national championship. I said that week one. Georgia Tech plus 140 to 145 on the money line is something that I did a few days ago. And I'll tell you, it was mainly because of a gut feeling in an, in an eye test. So if you don't want to listen to me on this one because of that and because I'm not giving too much actual quantitative data I get it that's cool that's totally fine but for me I bet against this Jeff Sims kid when I took Louisville a couple weeks ago on that Friday night game and that didn't pan out and the kid is just like I said I I can't get past him he's just really dynamic he's poised for a freshman I'm going to look up some efficiency stats head-to-head for these two teams. Kind of throw at least a couple numbers out there. Some good and bad spots for the Yellow Jackets, so I don't just seem completely biased. So Georgia Tech's average score margin is minus 17 and an (laughs) 8. 17 and an 8. Wow. 17.8. Boston College's is only minus 1.2. Now, in those margins, you have Boston College happen to kick a last-second field goal to beat Texas State. And then in that minus 17.8 for Georgia Tech, you have them losing and allowing, I believe it was, I'll say 65, 65 to 70 points against the future national champions of Clemson. Georgia Tech's opponent points per game probably inflated because of that also. It's at 39.8. Boston College is 24.6. Boston College allowed Texas State to score 30 points on them. I think you're going to see the key defensive stats all favor Boston College because of the recent inflation of losing to Clemson the way Georgia Tech did. 
to me, that's an outlier. That that was expected. Maybe not that many points, maybe a little bit of resistance, but I mean, they, they had scored, was it 55 before half? You know, it was, it was rough. It was rough. But Georgia Tech, they get 2.2 takeaways a game, which is more than the 1.6 for Boston College. Average time of possession is not that far off. Boston College has a little bit of a stronger hand at about three minutes more. Only three more plays per game. But Georgia Tech, 4.6 uh, yards per rush. Boston College, 2.1. 5.6 yards per play versus five for Boston College. Yards per pass, they're pretty much dead even. 7.4 for the Yellow Jackets, 7.5 for Boston College. Yards per completion. This is that Malachi Carter and that Jeff Sims connection effect right here. 13.8 yards, yards per uh, completion. That's, that's a pretty big number. Boston College does complete a ton of their passes, though. 62.56% to be specific. And they, they have a Notre Dame transfer uh, quarterbacking for them. I'm going to pull up his name and work on uh, <laughs> pronouncing it. I should have done the uh, phonetic thing, but uh, it's Phil Yurkovich. He was a four-star recruit going into Notre Dame. Obviously, Ian Book happened. He transferred to Boston College. He's huge. He's six. I think he's like 6'5", lots of bulk, cannon, threads the needle, but he's known to turn it over a good amount too. Third down conversion, Georgia Tech's going to have to step it up a little bit. 38.67% versus 47.95 five for Boston College. And then with that being said, the opponent third down conversion for both these teams, 47.56% allowed for the Georgia Tech defense, 42.86 for the Boston College defense. Red zone scoring opportunities for the opponents, Georgia Tech, 86%, Boston College, 81%. As an offense, 66.67% for Georgia Tech in the red zone scoring percentage department, 80.95 for Boston College. So I'm not seeing I mean, there's a couple big discrepancies and pretty important spots. Sure, I'm not going to downplay that, like with the red zone and the third down stuff. But my thing is, everything else is pretty much close. Penalty yards per game, Georgia Tech wins that department. You know, and again, some of these numbers are going to be inflated for Georgia Tech because of that Clemson loss. Boston College, sure, they, they, they just beat Pitt, sure. But that was without Kenny Pickett. And they've been so up and down. They scored a bunch of points one week, and then they went back to the old, uh, you know, Boston College look of last year where they ran the ball 50 times and didn't score any points. So this is a game that I'm actually kind of excited for. 
I look forward to seeing Jeff Sims connect with Malachi Carter. Malachi Carter is probably going to have about 130 yards through the air. Look for him to get the ball every which way. They're going to try to manufacture some stuff for him. And, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, Boston College, sure, they only lost by four to North Carolina. They beat Pitt by one without Kenny Pickett. They lost 40 to 14 to Virginia Tech. And then back in September, I mean, they took care of business against Duke by 20, but then turned around and, all right, so I said 30 points against Texas State. That's not what it was. 21 points. They won 21-24 with that uh, kick at the, at the buzzer. Anyways, enough of that game, guys. I, I, I took Georgia Tech plus 140 to 145. You know, tail or fade, best of luck, either which way. I, I'm sending you all of my good vibes and all of my good energies. All of y'all. Let's talk one, maybe two NFL games. Let's do one. I'm running a little bit long today. Like I said, I was excited about the Friday night football. We got four games in the college slate tonight. It was just so much stuff to be excited about. I'm going to pick a random game and we're going to talk about it. Let's talk about Jacksonville, Los Angeles Chargers. This will be fun. I have no opinion on this one. <laughs> Chargers plus or minus seven and a half at home. Total points 49. I want to make sure there's no crazy injuries going on for either which way. DJ Chark's back to probable. Hamstring is keeping LaVisca Chanel on the questionable tag. You've got Andrew Norwell, AJ Can, both on questionable tags for the offensive line, as well as Ben Barch uh, for Jacksonville. Um, Dakota Allen, linebacker, questionable. You've got Miles Jack, questionable. You've got Tyler Eifert, questionable. Good news is they'll get Josh Allen, their defensive end back, probably. He's probable. Um, DJ Hayden is on the IR, you know. And then let's let's kind of look at the Chargers. Uh, Trey Turner is going to be probable. They were without him last week, their offensive guard. Um, Storm Norton, tackle, questionable. Linval Joseph, questionable. Justin Jackson is questionable in the backfield. Um, They've already gone down Melvin Ingram. Brian Beluga is still questionable. If they can get him back in, um, that's going to be huge, you know, for the offensive line. Um, this These injury reports are just ridiculous right now because of COVID. Um, but here's my thing. The Jacksonville Jaguars have a guy quarterbacking that can and may make some magic happen against this rookie quarterback on the other side. Right now, the average score margin for both teams, so Jacksonville's minus 9.3. Los Angeles, minus three. You subtract one from the other, you get 6.3 points of a difference. And right now, the spread's seven and a half. 
points per game. Jacksonville, 20.8, 22 for Los Angeles. Opponent points per game, 30.2 for Jacksonville and 25 for the Chargers. Jacksonville averages more first downs. Probably a little bit of garbage time in there, so take that with what you will. Plays per game, only five more ran by the uh, Chargers. Third down conversion, 47% for both teams, dang near 48% for both teams. Red zone scoring percentage, 60.87% uh, for Jacksonville, 69.23% for the Chargers. Both teams actually hold their opponents under their third down, third down conversion percentage average marks. Jacksonville allows a lot of red zone scoring percentage opportunities, 61.54% versus 47.06 for the Chargers. This is going to be a pretty even game, guys. I think this is going to be very, very even. Very, very even. So at first looks, you know, why not take Jacksonville plus a seven and a half? You know, you get over that round number of seven. So you avoid the push in that sense. You got a rookie quarterback on one side and Justin Herbert, who's been great, who's been dynamic. He's gone toe to toe with some of the biggest legends of the game at the quarterback position. Breeze, Brady. Um, he just hasn't gotten it done. So I think what you're seeing is someone who plays up to his competition, but a lot of the times the same breath can be said that he can play down to his competition. I think we saw that in college out of Justin Herbert. So one thing I'm looking at here is how many mistakes will Jacksonville make to put themselves out of covering the spread? Right now, bet percentage, 47% to Jacksonville, 53 to the Chargers. I think this is, you know, a spot for Jacksonville to go ahead and be able to cover. I don't think they win, but I think they definitely cover. They're over, or their team total right now is 19 and a half, and that's at minus 155. Way too much juice for me. If you get some good looks, maybe with less juice, say over 20, um at minus 120 i wouldn't be mad at you on that uh over 18 at minus 150 i think i'd be okay with but then you got over 29 and a half for the chargers to me that's pretty high sure jacksonville allows about 30 points per game but this is it's a lot of points it's a lot of points First half team total for Jacksonville, seven and a half. First half team total over for the Chargers, 14 and a half. Now, I know I just dogged on that team total number and being so high for the Chargers, but I actually like this over 14 and a half right here. I would like to get the minus, I would like to maybe get it down to 13 and a half. So that way, if they just score two touchdowns and make it even, I'd be okay. But it's at plus 105. 
So if you want to buy that extra point, take it down to minus, uh, you know, 105, or maybe your person or your book can give you it at even money to get it to that 13 and a half. You know, I like that. I like that. So here's my general take on this game. And I wasn't prepared to talk about it. I just kind of did a Russian roulette pull off of the matchups list. I'm looking at Jacksonville. This is going to be half unit because like I said, starting the show, I didn't have any true opinion basis or analysis on this. Give me Jacksonville plus seven and a half. Um, I think there's a chance that that crashes down to seven, six and a half in the next day or two before kickoff. And then the Chargers, first half over 14 or 14 and a half, or like I said, buying it down to that 13 and a half. Don't juice yourself over minus 110 on that bet. Don't do that. Do not do that. Don't come back to me and be like, but Devin, you, you, told, me to, you told me to buy the point and I uh, got it at minus 130. I did not say that. I did not say that. <laughs> so... That's my general thoughts. I know they were long-winded, but you know how I get with my college football, especially when Sunbelt's involved. Got to know which way I'm going. Sunbelt, Conference USA, small schools. Lots of words, guys, lots of words. Hey, again, we wouldn't be possible on this show without our two presenting sponsors. Manscaped, use homo, uh, promo code hoopball twenty to get your 20% off, your free shipping. And then HoopBall, just H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L over at mybookie.ag for your fat deposit bonus. You're going to get an initial deposit match of 100%. Tell them that we sent you. Let them know that the guys at Today in Sports Betting, HoopBall Gaming, sent you. They'll be happy to hear it, and so will we. Also, Google Play Music, Apple Music, whatever it is you get your uh, playlists from, your Spotify, your your podcasts, whatever. I know you can't review on Spotify, but you can dang sure follow the podcast. You can you can follow it, subscribe. You can also leave a five star review for us on Apple and Google Play. Take a screenshot. Take a screenshot of that review. Share some nice words or constructive criticism. Like if you. If you want to give us a three star, then I'm not I'm not out here trying to just force people into five starring us. I want to know where we can get better. All of us. Take a screenshot, send it to me on Twitter or to Ira or to at Hootball Gaming. We'll shout you out on the show and I'll probably read the review a couple times because it'll make me smile. So again, I'm at D-A-L-E-007 on Twitter. Ira is at Ira Silver Magic, and we are at Hootball Gaming. Also, Hootball Tweets. Fantasy basketball is going to be kicking up. The offseason is going to be way shortened this year, and it's going to take a lot of people by surprise. Get ahead of that crowd that gets taken by surprise. Get your research done right. Our main man, our main guys, Aaron Bruski and Dan Bespris, the two presidents of Hootball, they are savant elites with fantasy basketball. It is ridiculous how many league championships they win. They help win. I started listening to their podcast my first year, two years ago, playing fantasy basketball. I took second. 
I had no idea what I was doing, what I was getting into. I just listened to Dan every day. So do that if you want to win some money on some fantasy basketball. And then if you want to win some money gambling, you listen to us and keep your ears and eyes peeped on open. Folks, thank you again for letting me ramble on this solo show for this Friday episode. It was a ball. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I hope you're going to enjoy listening to it at least once or twice. Again, I'm at D-A-L-E-007. We are a hoop-ball.com presentation. Find us on the Twitter bird app, at HoopBallGaming. Without further ado, I need to hit the end button on this meeting. And once again, HoopBallers, I am sending you all of my good vibes and all of my good energies, not just with betting, but with everything going on in whosoever's lives. It's a tough time right now, and it's rough out there, and it's really weird. It's austere. So at least you know I've got your back in any capacity that I can. And the way I look at it is I can at least extend all of my good energies and all of my good vibes and my love out there to y'all. So with that being said, guys, thank you again so much. And gals, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love doing this. I love this podcast. And I've got a bit of do now. So listen, review, share, love. Thank you guys. Take care. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.